I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. Okay, stop. We're going to stop creating just a piece of content. That's not what we're doing anymore. We are going to create one big thing, and then we're going to use that thing to fuel all of the content for the quarter. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? We would really love to hear what you think. Yes, we really would love to hear that. Last episode, we talked about our very own Jesse Wyman's passion project, The Brand Photographer Method. If you haven't listened to episode 14 yet, it's a good one. You may want to check that out after this episode. It's not just for brand for photographers looking to go into brand photography. It's also for you know business owners interested in exactly what brand photography is and how it can help their business. So it's a must listen as far as I'm concerned. Of course, I'm going to agree with you, but thank you for that. <laughs> uh, but for this episode, we are going to talk about ways to repurpose our content using the content goldmine. Our guest, Mary Kay Gulick, content marketing coach and strategist, is going to discuss how she takes one big piece of content and turns it into 12 to 18 months worth of material. Super curious. Uh, me too. Me too. But before we go any further, Jesse, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a mimosa today. Super simple. Most people know what it is, you know, just a little OJ and champagne, which we've had left over in the fridge for a little while. So I'm just trying to uh, clean it out. Mimosa is probably my favorite cocktail, and that's because it's so easy to make. It's so easy. And also, it's a great like morning because, you know, the OJ, you don't feel <laughs> if you have any guilt about drinking, it makes you feel less guilty uh, in the morning. <laughs> I'm, I'm not not feeling so guilty. I remember one time I went to the Sam Adams Brewery tour. Yeah. Um, and it was in the morning. It was her Father's Day, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And <laughs> they have a tasting room at the end. And it wasn't even 11 o'clock. And they're giving you, like, all these little shots of beer. Oh, yeah, and as we've discussed yeah. on this podcast, I am a lightweight. Kate and... is the ultimate lightweight. You guys, it's, it's hilarious. You literally, you'll crack open the beer and just the whiff gets your smell. Drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so they they kept giving us these little little glasses, and I still have the glasses. It's actually it's actually my orange juice glass every morning. Um, but they kept giving us samplers. Yeah. I, I don't even like beer, but I kept drinking it. I think it's because of the company I was in. I wasn't the best company, and um. I had to, they they have a trolley that takes you to um, this restaurant that has these huge pancakes. And I had I had to have the pancakes because I was so drunk. That was the only thing you that sobered to me soak up. soak it up. And yeah. I had to go in the trolley because I couldn't even <laughs> drive like around yes, the corner. <laughs> I love it. I'm checking out that. I've been to the brewery. I've done the brewery tour. It's been a while now, so I should definitely check it out. And then the pancakes. That's yes, nice. the pancake. I think it was JJ Foley's, which of course is like a, Oh yeah. Staple. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they've got Oh, so that's really... very Boston. Like the Sam Adams brewery yeah. and then going to JJ Foley's for pancakes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. It was probably as Boston as I as I could get and that I'm is from this area. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyways, back to what we were talking about, which is repurposing content. I am not the best at it. Um, you know, I write um I try to write two to three times on my blog um every week. And then I try to take that material and, you know, use it in my emails when I send out my emails and 
Mm-hmm. That's that's not always a weekly thing, but I try. Yeah. Sign, by the way, you can sign up for them on my website, fashionlykateandcompany.com. And, you know, I'll reuse the images that I use in the blog post and most of the text from the posts. And then I'll take that and put that on my social, you know, little pieces of those blog posts. But I don't. I have to say, I don't always do it. And then I then I don't take those blog posts that I've spent all this time on. Like, I might post about it once, and then I just let it die. So I need to yeah. get better about it. Yeah. I So I've definitely gotten better about it in a couple of ways. One is just understanding that one problem that you're trying to solve from your client can be, you know, well, you can have multiple problems that you're trying to solve in like breaking that mm-hmm. down. And we talked about that sort of process with one of our previous guests. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've started to really implement that. But then you've done a great job because I have this now process in place with my own business about blog writing with you. Mm-hmm. I almost have a built in structure now that what, you know, whatever we create for a blog post, whatever you write for me, Mm -hmm. I can then take bits of that and turn it into an Instagram post or even turn it into an email newsletter. Um, So that's what I've been doing. And it's even part of my workflow um, that we have set up in Asana together. So Mm -hmm. it's been really helpful, but um, I'm still wanting to do more and making content easier. And that's why we started this podcast, right? It's just like trying to make it easy. Trying to, yeah, trying to figure out that's exactly what easy ways to create great content. And like, it's, it's always so much fun when I get an email from you or I see um, one of your photos pop up on social media and I'm reading the text and I'm just like, oh yeah, I recognize that. And you, you know, you do a really great job of taking what I've written and like changing it ever so slightly to like, fit you know like i think the other day you sent out an email and obviously we're we're doing this um recording a little earlier because this is supposed to be in april but um you posted you sent out an email about best places to um shoot in boston we had done that blog post several months ago at this point but the thing is it's you know you had already written about you'd already put it out um on an email but then to do it again it kind of just really re-emphasized yeah your point which is you know people coming to you and saying i don't have anywhere to shoot well you do with these options and these are just some of one of the places so you you do do a great job of like repurposing it and kind of making sure nothing dies on your page because everything you write is is super evergreen in a lot of ways and i've you know one thing i've been trying to think about is is you know Getting over the idea like, oh, I already talked about that. We'll talk about it again. Just maybe instead of doing a post, do an IG live. Or instead of Mm -hmm. um, throwing up a picture associated with the text, throw out a graphic now and just reword it. People want to know that you are the expert in that particular um, thing, right? Whether it's your service, your product or whatever. So they're not going to get annoyed with you repeating the same message over and over again. I mean, if it's the exact same post and you're constantly driving it down their throat, then maybe you're going to lose the the, the overall content that, and and message behind the content, that's what they're here to, to learn about. So I had to get over that. I'm like, Oh, well, I kind of talked about locations like not too long ago, but people want to know, and you're constantly getting new followers new people signed up to your newsletter. That's very true. I didn't even think of so it you that wanna, way. So you want to make sure that you're continually um, sending out your message, even though you may have already done it last month, but the same the same content mm-hmm. because you are going to get those new new people. 
And I think that also relates back to if you do do um, email marketing, which everybody should do some kind of, you know, have some kind of email list and send out some kind of, um, you know, notices to their followers or subscribers, whatever you want to call them, um, that has kind of this, and this is on a whole other topic, but like it has this sequence where, you know, a welcome email and then, you know, what you feel, you know, have another one go out in another week about what you feel is how you can serve them best. And then the next week, you know, say it is that three places in Boston that you think are great to shoot, you know, it, it, in the end, then you have those new people that you have just gotten the onto your email list, getting those really bits of pieces of information that you really want them to know. Um, And I think we're, you know, I know we're going to learn more from our guest who is Mary Kate Glick. She is a content marketing coach and strategist. She has created this amazing method, guys, to Mm -hmm. repurpose one large piece of content. And that's such as like a a book, but she also talks about other way, other um, pieces of information and how you can separate that into several separate pieces of information that you have covered for months of material. It's called the Content Goldmine. And guys... You're going to love it. Today, we have a wonderful guest with us. We have Mary Kate Gulick. She's a content marketing coach and strategist with over 20 years experience. And she is the founder of the Real Deal Content Coaching uh, Company. And we are so excited to have you here to talk about this amazing process and system you have called the Content Goldmine. But before we jump into it, Uh, We would just actually love to, Kate normally asks this question, but I'm going to go ahead and jump in. Um, Before we jump into it, because this is cocktails and content creation, what are you drinking? What am I drinking? So I'm the the literally most boring human in the world. I am drinking about 35 ounces of scorching hot green tea with lemon and mint. That actually sounds delicious. It's exactly what I need right now, because when I sat down to decide what to drink, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and listen to my body on this one. And my throat needs some green tea. So that is what we're rolling with. I have to ask, though, then as a follow up, if it weren't 11 in the morning and if you were if it was cocktail hour, Mm -hmm. what would you be drinking? I would either be drinking a nice crisp glass of a good New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc or um, if it was a little bit warmer out, I would I would make myself a mojito with some fresh fruit in it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Those are my choices. Okay, well, we'll aspire to that once it gets warmer. (laughs) We'll have to circle back. Kate, you'll have to remind me to make that one. Yes. Oh, believe me. And you'll have to have me over. I know. We're well, sitting outside on your porch. I'll make you a baby one since we know what happens when you have large cocktails. Rut row. <laughs> this is named cocktails and content creation, but really for me, it should be cocktail on the floor with content creation. Cocktail. Cocktail. Period. Yeah. I'm not that one tequila, two tequila, three tequila floor girl. I am one tequila floor. <laughs> It took me a while. It took me a while, but here we are. So Mary Kate, give us a little bit about um, your journey. Tell us a little bit about what you, you know, how you've gotten to where you are today. Yeah, no problem. I started as I uh, came out of journalism school, like way back in the day, a million years ago, and found myself doing 
investor relations for a scrap metal recycling company on the south side of Chicago, which is the saddest freaking sentence I've ever said out loud. Um, and from there, and after, six weeks after I got there, they're de- they declared bankruptcy. And so I ended up taking phone calls from these really angry investors, most of, most of whom sound really mobbed up. So I was just like, you know, I think I should probably do something else. I'm not putting any of my writing to use. So my husband and I packed up the car and we moved from Chicago to Nebraska for graduate school. And I went to grad school for marketing, advertising, and comm studies. And we liked it so much here that we, you know, come for the grad school, stay for the cheap real estate. That's what I always say about Nebraska. Um, But I I got a copywriting job like out of the middle of nowhere because some their copywriter was on maternity leave and they were desperate. So this digital agency paid me like seven bucks an hour to write copy for them when I was this wee little grad student. So I took it, I fell in love. And within a couple of weeks, I had been hired full time. Within a couple months, I had been promoted to senior copywriter. And then a few years later, I took over as creative director because it was literally my favorite thing to do in the world. What do you do when you are a content creator for a digital agency? You think about okay, what do people need in order to make this decision? And how mm-hmm. do we how do we reach them where they are now? It's all about getting inside people's skin. And that hasn't changed in the last 20 years. So it was right. the joy of my life. Most of my, the last 20 years has been at digital agencies, but otherwise I was at IBM and I ran one of their internal agencies. And then my most recent experience was running digital content and marketing for TD Ameritrade Institutional. Um, And how I got here, you know, you guys along the way, I always worked with therapists and coaches and entrepreneurs and people who would come into the agency and be like, hey, I'm seeing what you're doing for these other brands. I want you guys to do this for us. And then we'd be like, this is what it costs to work with an agency. And they'd be like, that's not, that's not where I'm where I'm at right now. Yeah. So I would invariably always end up being like, but I think that what you do is really cool and important. So I'm just going to work with you on the side. And so, you know, it's been. The and last nobody, nobody like got mad at you about that or did you keep no, it? No, actually they, enc- they encouraged it kind of because they knew oh, yeah. that we, you know, these are not, I wasn't operating in competition with my agency, right? These are organizations and right. people who legitimately couldn't afford our services. They weren't our ideal client. So mm-hmm. we all did freelance and I just really liked it. I liked that level of intimacy that you could have with somebody that you were working directly with without an account executive and a project manager and a traffic person all kind of, you know, in the mix. You Mm -hmm. could just, you know, work really closely together. And the work that we ended up putting out would be, you know, it was lower volume, but it was pitch freaking perfect. And so I just enjoyed doing it so much. I always kept doing it no matter what. I'd find you know, nonprofits and um, counselors and accountants and therapists and people who just really enjoyed, wanted to do a specific type of work with a specific kind of person and just didn't know that lever point, you know, how to get in with those people. And so that's what we'd work on. And then in the last couple of years, you know, working with my own coaches, they're like, you know what, that's the work that you really like. Um, It's not the long-term large-scale content marketing plans for Fortune 500 companies. You don't enjoy that. That's like your job job. So I leaned heavy into it and here we are. That is quite a a journey that you did took on, took us on. Yeah. (laughs) That's what happens when you get old. You have longer journeys because they (sighs) last for many years. I don't think there's, I don't think, I mean, you can have 
several years on you and you could have had nothing interesting happen to you. So, you know, I don't think it's a sign of getting old. I think it's a sign of being a go-getter. And obviously that is where you are at, my friend. Now, as Jesse mentioned in our intro, you have this interesting system and I love the name of it called the Content Goldmine. Can you break that down for us and how you, first off, how you came up with the name, A, which is fascinating, and then B, tell us all about it. Yeah, how maybe just like how it, how you even came up with the idea, like yeah. why, like working through through your long journey, mm-hmm. how do we now have this, this gold it, mine? It's funny because it's one of those things that came about out of necessity. And all in my journey, one of the steps, the steps that I skipped is I did take on for a few years, I ran marketing for a regional nonprofit. And if you've ever worked for a nonprofit, you know, you do all the things, you know, if you're in Ooh, marketing yes. and you're creating content, <laughs> you know, I'm developing the website and I'm editing the videos and I'm out shooting and I'm doing direct mail and I'm schmoozing fundraising, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so all of those things. So there it was kind of like, okay, stop. We're going to stop creating just a piece of content. That's not what we're doing anymore. We are going to create one big thing, and then we're going to use that thing to fuel all of the content for the quarter. And it was because there were only two of us, and that's just what needed to be done in order for us to get the volume that we wanted of digital content to help our search results and to really create the impression with our constituents that we were everywhere all the time. We weren't everywhere all the time, but we were in front of them all the time because we had all of this stuff to put in front of them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really where it started. And the name, you guys, the name just came from the way that I talk. I think at some point somebody, you know, we looked at what we had. Um, we did, I do this exercise with clients called the content inventory where they're like, I don't know what to post about. I don't know what to post about. And we, and I go, yeah, you do. You just don't know that you do. So we start going through everything that they have, all of their blog posts, all of the little lists that they've made, all of the podcasts that they've appeared on, all of the articles that they've written, all of the content that's available to them, you know, via licensing through their own coaching program. And it's like, no, 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 you have this. And I always, you know, just, it ends up being this massive, ridiculous spreadsheet that they're like, oh my God. Um, And I just always ended up saying, dude, it's a freaking gold mine. Like you never have to go anywhere else. You could literally never create Mm. anything new. You could just mine bits from this forever. And you will never be allowed to say, I don't know what to post about today again. Um, Which is like my pet peeve. It's like, no, 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 you do. You just are thinking about it. Like you have to post something new and creating content is not necessarily what an entrepreneur should be focusing on. Creating takes a lot of mental energy. It's a gorgeous process and it's my favorite thing. But, um, you know, most of the people that I work with didn't get into their business to become content creators. They're like accidental content creators. And so that process isn't something that they necessarily enjoy. And it's something that kind of freaks them out. So that's really where it came from. And the idea is that no, 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 we're not going to start small and just scatter little bits of random into the universe. We are going to create one cohesive thing that is a, you know, uh, essentially acts as verifiable proof of the depth of your expertise in this area, whether that's a book or an in-depth course or a research report or even a series of webinars, it could be. But it's this kind of one thing that we plan on creating that is deep enough and mineable enough to generate 12 to 18 months of content without you having to create new stuff. So that is what a content goldmine is. 
You kind of answer our next question about, you know, how this system benefits business owners and content creators, because it's like, as you said, there, you don't have to worry about what you have to post anymore. It's, it's all there. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the big thing. But the, the other kind of key to it is that the content goldmine itself, when you structure it the right way and you create it in the right um, in the right format, it's a monetizable asset. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily content just, you know, it's not a social post. It's not content that you're just putting out there once. If it's a book, you can sell it. If it's a course, you can sell it. If it's a mm-hmm. research report, you can sell it. Um, and you can still mine every word and every image in it um, in a different order and have that be a completely different experience that no one will be able to piece together. Um mm-hmm in any kind of clear way. So the idea that, hey, yeah, I want you to create content, but you're creating a saleable product. Um, you're not doing kind of, they always think about content as it's not the real work of what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. But if we focus on it this way, it becomes the real work of what you're doing. Like you are still teaching, you are still coaching through this piece. And then when it's done, it's done and you don't have to do it again. And you just take from it. Um, and frankly, you don't even have to be the one taking from it, hand that nonsense off to a VA. Um, and that sounds like Jesse's favorite thing right there. Yeah. Isn't it the best thing ever? Yeah. Here you go. Um, some of that I hand off to Kate here, Kate. (laughs) See, and I'm, I'm the kind of person that just like hoards my own projects. Like, Ooh, I feel like I want to talk to you about that and help you with that because it's, (laughs) That's that. I hate to tell you this, but uh, let's see, 23 years of education and none of my professors, teachers or anybody was able to get me to break out of that perfectionism problem. It's Therapy, yeah. nothing. <laughs> I, I think I'm stuck. Who, no, it's okay to be stuck. I had somebody who their whole thing with me is like 80%, Mary Kate, 80%. If somebody can do this thing that doesn't matter that much at 80%, you know, as good as you would do it does it matter that it's only 80%? And I would always be like, yes, yes, it does matter. Yes. And it took me a really long time to be like, does it matter that the, you know, the lesson tile for module three of this course is not, you know, that there's a little too much padding on that text box. No, right. it, it doesn't matter. Right. Like that's not something I need to get my pick your battles, my friends pick yeah. your battles. Now, so- Oh, no, you go ahead, Jesse. Well, I know I know we have this question for you and I feel like I want to ask it now. And, you know, if we if you are an entrepreneur that doesn't have like a book or a course or even like a webinar series, I'm thinking for since I'm a photographer, I'm thinking specifically for photographers. And I also have a course, so I'm not necessarily thinking about my specific situation. Mm -hmm. But let's say you're just a family photographer you know, this this is my question. How does that apply to the photographer who may not want to get into education, who may just want to continue to provide Mm -hmm. their service to like those service providers who are in the weeds? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. There's the two answers that I like to give is, you know, in the beginning for a lot of people, first of all, they probably have part of a gold mine that they don't even know about, which is where that content inventory comes in. Like you've created stuff. Let's talk about what it is. In the case of a photographer, it's, you know, let's categorize and catalog everything. And some of the stuff can be shared, but 
and that puts them still firmly into you spend most of your time repurposing. Let's say you're starting from ground freaking zero and you don't have, you know, you don't have any content to go on. What I think about is taking those principles and using them on a smaller scale. So instead of thinking about this huge thing that can be mined out for 12 to 18 months, think about creating pieces that you can mine out for a month or even a week. I always think about, you know, if you're somebody who, um, who's a family photographer and what you want your content to be about is, you know, why family photos matter, what you can do with your family photos and how to take great family photos, then maybe you do a little bit of education. And by nature, your work is going to be more visual, right? So I would say that maybe what you want to do is every week, your most of your audience is on Instagram because you are a more visual storyteller. Every week, go live and talk for a few minutes about one topic. This topic, it's going to be, what do I wear for, what do I put my family in for our family photo shoot? And you go through three options of what to wear, why you shouldn't wear white, why you shouldn't wear really bright colors, why you shouldn't wear doofusy patterns, you know, and you kind of go through that whole thing. And then for the rest of the week, maybe you just grab a couple quotes and um, make little quote graphics out of those from the live. Maybe you download the live. And if you're on another, uh, platform. You know, if you're using StreamYard or something, you can also send it directly to Facebook and it ends up living there. Um, add it to your highlights in Instagram. And then if you want to download it, make it available on your vlog on your website so that you're not linking offsite to another platform. Um, and then even if you've given three special tips, do a little, a little listicle around that um, video that you post on your website so that it's readable and a little more crawlable. Um, take the transcript from it and have that somebody turn those transcript bits into other social media posts. You can probably mm -hmm. squeeze about five out of there of story style posts. That's the kind of thing that I think about. Like, I don't believe you should ever do a video if you're not planning on using the transcript for something else. I don't believe you should create any piece of content unless you're not planning to squeeze every last bit of juicy goodness out of it. So, mm -hmm. um, if you're doing a video, get the transcript. And if you have a VA say here, take this, make me a blog post, make me six social media posts out of this. And they will, and they will schedule it for you. Um, but just doing the live to just have the live, that means you've, you've wasted all that talking you just did. You wasted the fact that you put on lipstick to get in front of a camera. And I don't, I don't believe in wasting that amount of effort. <laughs> or lipstick. Or lipstick. <laughs> No, like you said about, um, you know, the the educational post for that family photographer. I work with um, mostly photographers and wedding planners when it comes to my freelance blog writing work. And that was like music to my ears because I've been trying, you know, Jesse, Jesse's got it all going on. But a lot of other photographers don't necessarily look beyond posting the, you know, the wedding story. Mm -hmm. or the shoot story or the, you know, details of the wedding. Like they don't think past that. Whereas, you know, I've been trying to talk to some of my clients and saying, you should really do a post on, you know, how to pick your wedding florist. And then you can use all of these beautiful images that you have and that insider knowledge, you know, your contacts and everything. And you can kind of put that in there. Like that, is exactly what I've been trying to tell them is like, they already have these pictures. Mm -hmm. Why not kind of use them for something, especially since with, especially with wedding photographers and planners, 
there's really not a lot happening right now in the industry with so many yeah. weddings being put on hold. So they don't seem to have anything to post. And then they're not updating their website. They're not keeping it fresh. They're not getting new SEO, all that lovely stuff. Uh, my other question, my question is though, and it kind of ties back to what you were saying is milking all of it out. There's all the, also this idea of exclusive content, right? Mm -hmm. When you have one piece of content and you only post it to like one place. So like a, you have a Facebook group and you, you post like, like we did this um, for a couple episodes ago, we did some photo editing and Jesse had done a, um, a video on how she edits her photos. And we put that up on the Facebook and it was like, join the Facebook group to get this thing. Is that something that you feel is still relevant or do you think that, you know, that's kind of a loss? Oh, I don't think it's a loss at all. I think it's absolutely still relevant, but it's just, it's a question of thinking about it a little differently. So I have, you know, a similar thing. You join my Facebook group to get my, you know, 33 week um, or 33 minute weekly content planner. Right. Um, and you can only get it by joining the Facebook group. Um, but in that weekly content planner, there are a lot of concepts that I use in other things, like the idea of the post types that I talk about, um, star content versus story content, step up content and um, starter content. So what post is a conversation starter versus what post are you calling people to actually do a thing? Are they supposed to come book an appointment with you or what, you know, if there's a call to action on it, a story post is kind of what you were talking about, the details of the wedding and what the wedding was like. Um, and the star content is the big post of the week. So that's a concept that's included in my exclusive content. It's not my exclusive content though. You know what I mean? The exclusive content is how to put those together in 33 minutes a day and to schedule them very specifically. So even with my exclusive content, there's bits and pieces that are, um, that are universal and that are universally available and, and can be universally available. So I want people to think about it that way. And, you know, even for people, you know, if you go live in your group every week and that's the only place you use that video, awesome. It doesn't mean that some of the words that you said in that video aren't relevant in other spaces. Um, but the live teaching and the interaction with you, that's what's exclusive, not necessarily the um, the things that you said in the video. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where one area where people get tripped up because even beyond exclusive content, the idea of, well, my course is saleable. I don't want to mine the content that's in there for smaller pieces because then I'm just giving it away. Well, no, because the course isn't just the content. The course is the group coaching with you. It's the access to um, to the group itself. It's it's more than that. Information is everywhere. Your information is not new and it's not, you know, it's not exclusive. People can find information anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. The course structure that you put it in is what makes it more learnable. And I've had people the same thing with books. Like, well, if I have a book that I'm selling for $12, then if I take it and I turn it into 18 months worth of blog posts, then nobody's going to buy the book because they can just read the blog. I'm like, literally, that has never happened. No one has said, aha, I see what she's doing. And in 18 months, I'm going to be able to read the end of this book if I just wait. Um, nobody does that. That's not a thing. So I 18 always, months, God, at this point, yeah. none of us know if we're going to be alive in 18 months. I know. And even Dark if we humor did, there. I can't wait for two minutes for a damn pop tart. You know, I mean, come on, let's, let's be. Oh, now I really want pop tarts. Come on now. 
Sorry. Well, I, I can totally relate to this with my course. So I teach other brand photographers to, or other photographers to pivot and add brand photography to their, to their services or completely just pivot into brand photography. And I sometimes like, I can relate to what you're saying. Cause it's like, we hold our content. Like it's like, like it's gold, right? It is gold. And um, I've thought about ways that I can, you know, how can I repurpose this content? How can I share some of it without feeling like I'm giving too much away? So there is that, there is that struggle with entrepreneurs, because I think we're just, A, we're just not experienced in the world of marketing to understand how maybe the buyer is really thinking like that's not our zone of genius, right? We're not, like you Mm -hmm. said, like, they're not, they're not going to do that. Like they're not, if they want to buy your book, they're going to buy your book, even after reading 18 blog posts, which have a lot of the content in it, they're going to, you know, we're just not educated and that's not our zone of genius. Um, But I, I find that totally relatable. And so I get like, I guess maybe my question for you is how do you overcome that? How do you know when, when it actually is too much, the approach that I've taken and I think it was Jenna Kutcher. I don't know if you follow her at all, but she, Mm -hmm. the way she sort of presents it is you give them the why as like your content and the how is your paid content. Like that's you want to tell them why it's important and, you know, how it can benefit and, you know, little bits here, but the exact step-by-step of how you're going to do that thing, that's what you're going to pay for kind of, is that like an approach you would take to sort of help you get through this mindset of like, how do I share mm-hmm. with the world my content versus giving away too much? That is, I've heard that a couple of times from Jenna Kutcher, from Grace Lieber and a few others, tell them the why and what, sell them the how. And I think that it's a logical approach for, because some people really need to have that clear delineation and that's incredibly helpful for them to create content. And then they, you know, they feel more comfortable about making those decisions. But if I'm completely honest, I give away a lot of how, um, and I encourage some of my clients to give away a lot of how, especially some of my clients who are more in kind of a life coaching space. Because, um, or even a business coaching space, because again, the how information, it's not really new. And I could, if I wanted to go figure out how to do it, I could just go figure out how to do it. Um, what you're selling is you. You're not selling the information. The, the What's interesting and what's different and what's the difference maker for people in the equation is you. Um, and that's that's the purpose of a coach or a consultant is to guide people through it, to hold them accountable, to help them overcome some of those mindset issues. So I feel like what I end up you know, working with clients on is the information isn't the gold you're the gold. The information is a dime a dozen. How you package it to make it interesting is what gets people to be interested in you, but you are the product here. Um, So what I encourage them to withhold more than anything is access to themselves. Um, Don't, you know, don't jump on the phone with just anybody. Screen them pretty well Mm -hmm. because you don't have time to talk to all the people who want to talk to you. Um, If you're going to have somebody who helps you with that and does some of your initial one-on-ones and onboarding calls, that's great. Um, When you sell your first programs, make sure it's a group program and you're available for an hour a week to the group. Um, Not everybody gets one-on-one access to you. That's you. That's what you hold back. I always think of content as really a 10% solution to someone's problems. 
A course is a little bit more in depth. So that's more like a 25% solution to someone's problems because they're getting a lot of the how in a specific order. But coaching is a 100% solution. A consulting package is a 100% solution with kind of a guaranteed outcome. Um, And the reason that it's a more powerful solution is because of you, not because of the content. So I'm just going to play devil's advocate with that because I I actually really agree with everything you're saying, um, but I always like to like think... I love that about this. Um, So in the world of everybody, not everybody, I'm assuming, you know, it's out there. Everybody wants passive income, right? Mm -hmm. Where they, they are trying to get away from their one-on-ones because it's so intensive, their one-on-one client work and thinking about how to create passive income, whether it's, you know, instead of creating a custom, you know, a one-on-one marketing strategy, they're selling marketing PDFs or templates or this, a way to get away from that. So, I mean, I think there's a situation for both, but for an entrepreneur that I guess would really want to go a hundred percent passive, like not do any one-on-ones, not do any coaching, whether they're selling, maybe they're just selling like a digital product or like a physical product. And how do you, how do you create content around in that situation? I guess that's a big question to ask, but like a really good one though. It's a really good situation because I always think of things like, you know, templates that you've sold or, you know, um, social prompts. Like if I'm just like, really people pay money for social prompts, but that, that same kind of thing. Yeah. It's completely passive, but what they're providing is really done for you work. It's not content the way that we would think about it. Right. It's like the reason I'm buying this template is so I don't have to develop this thing myself. Um, so it's basically part of the work has been done for me. So I don't think about that as an information product so much as I do think of it as a done for you product. But if you are wanting to, you know, if we think about people who are in the, you know, they're transitioning completely out of one-on-one into only, let's say information product space, right? Because that's where you have that like heavy duty overlap, that content is your product. And that's when I feel like a framework, like you brought up before, Jesse, the idea of, okay, we talk about the, what we sell the how, because even if, if your passive income is selling a course, basically, or a series of courses, multiple courses, and essentially you show up for group coaching once a week, and that's the only access anybody gets to you, then your content really is your product. But how you sell that content is usually through other content, right? It's usually through a Facebook challenge or a webinar or something like that. So you're providing some content of value up front. Um, at that point, you have made that kind of Jenna Kutcher, Grace Lever, Marie Forleo um, delineation of talk about the what, not the how. Have you guys ever been to those webinars that it's like, okay, come to my masterclass on the four ways to do X. And you're like, score, I know that I'm going to be sold after this, but I want to know the four ways to do X. And you go and what they have given you is absolutely so unvaluable. You are so mad that you wasted your time. Yes. And yes. you know that it all came from this place of fear that they didn't want to share anything because they thought you wouldn't buy. But the effect that yeah. it was screw you, buddy. You just took 45 minutes away from me that I'm never going to get back. I was just going to say, I can completely relate to that. And that's one thing I don't do on my live webinars or webinars. I, te- I actually give real mini lessons. Like this yes. is how you are going to do this. Uh, and because I, I've been to those and I'm like, okay, that I already knew that that I needed to do that. Thanks for sharing. Now, how am I going to do that? You told me you were going to teach me how to do that. Yeah. So like, I like to have my common sense. Like, 
even even if I'm not I'm not giving you know A to Z away, but I want them to be able to like feel confident by the time they're done listening to this, they have they have something they can go check off, like do yes. actually go do. So exactly. so I, I completely agree with that. And I like the way that you've sort of like differentiated like the done for you, like that that is like, yeah, you're gonna talk about the how and the what, and then the done for you is like or or the why and the what, and then the done for you is like literally how you're gonna do it, but then you still have to show up. You yeah. still you like you're still in it. Like even if you're selling passively, like you're not doing anything during the actual transaction of the sale, but to mm-hmm. get you the sale, like you have to be there. You have to be there and you have to be providing some value. I mean, the key ends up being and this is where everybody gets confused and I used to I struggled with this like mad forever until it's like playing Scrabble. I would play Scrabble with my husband and he'd beat me every time until the day it finally dawned on me that the word I'm spelling doesn't matter at all, that I don't have to come up with awesome words. I just have to put them in the right squares to get me the most (laughs) points. Like I could spell the dumbest word in the world as long as it was on the right squares that got me the most points, I would win. And once I figured that Mm. out, I was unstoppable. The same thing (laughs) is when you figure out how that whole idea of leaving the gap the gap of need between your your free content and your paid content. So yeah, I'm going to talk you through, um, you know, why this is important, what all you need to do, and how to do some of it in a very generic sense. Um, and then I'm going to say, wouldn't it be amazing if this was done? Wouldn't it be amazing if you could do this? Wouldn't it be amazing if you had this? This is my paid program. We're going to do this together. Um, and that's, that's what the gap is, is that the, the value you're giving them should at the same time be creating the desire and saying, yeah, if I could sit down and get all this stuff done, if I could make this happen, mm-hmm. then my life would be a lot better, a lot easier. And the, the paid content is great. Then let's do it. Whether or not I'm doing it with you, whether or not we're doing it, cause I'm providing you all of the templates and pre-made funnels, um, so that you just have it done, um, I've been able to use the content to create that desire and help you understand that, yeah, dude, without this, you're, you're, you're hurting yourself because you don't have this. Um, And that comes back to that whole idea of crawling into people's skin, right? I mean, the reason we love templates is because we don't have time to do all the things and templates make our lives easier. Um, And all of us non-delegators who don't like to hand stuff off because we're perfectionists are, um, we that would be me. You're not alone. You're not alone. But we we need those shortcuts. So, um, but we need to we need to be able to visualize what those shortcuts will do for us, and that's what mm-hmm. your your teaching content should be create that picture. And you spoke about the content inventory. We now we kind of have an idea of what the content goldmine is. Do you have a way for people when you coach them or whatever? Do you have a way for people to organize this breakdown? Um, can you walk us through even like you know a little bit about that process? Yeah, for sure. It's um, I work with people to create what's called their content goldmine map, and essentially we map out every section and subsection or module and lesson or what whatever units they are of their content goldmine and we map them down into gold bars and gold nuggets. So I love that. <laughs> if we think about gold bars, it's kind of your weekly star content, right? So okay. whether it's Facebook Live or a blog post or a tutorial video or whatever, um, we figure out for each week what your um, 
what yours is going to be based on those subsections or or uh, units of the gold mine. So essentially, if we think about it as a book, for example, if the book has um, an introduction, a conclusion, and nine chapters in between, and those nine chapters each have eight subsections, then that is 72 subsections to work with, plus a few a few gold bars in the introduction, right? So we take each of those 72 subsections and map them out to a week. And what is that gonna be that week? It's gonna be this blog post, great. Um, we map that out. How are we gonna promote that blog post? Well, our weekly cadence in terms of social media uh, for planned social media, not for spontaneous, but for planned social media is identical week to week. So you are not making those decisions every week. Every week, you know, you're going to go live. There will be two quote graphics. There will be one story post. There will be a call to action post and there will be two uh, specific engagement posts. And now we know what the topic is because it's just based on that given subsection. So I can sit down and yank things out and it takes about um, on average, it ends up taking about seven minutes as you go through to do week each week in the map. So I always seat people down. I say, we're going to take 90 minutes and we're going to do as many as we can. Great. You got through 26 of them. Congratulations. You did half a year of content planning in 90 minutes. And then again, this is planned content that is specific to people who are trying to showcase expertise in a particular area. And that expertise is unchanging. Um, there will still be spontaneous content and cool things that you want to do that you just want to take pictures of, stories that you want to share. But it's easier to do that when you have this kind of underlying layer of planned and pre-scheduled content because you know you don't have to. Like, I don't have to show up today and talk about how um, my dog is the most inspirational like content um content muse of my life. And, you know, that's not something I have to do today. I'm going to do it because I want to do it because my dog's awesome. And so I just get a lot more joy out of the work. And I don't feel like I am tethered to social media when I'd really rather be doing other things either with my business or I'd rather be, you know, rocking along with Cody on my Peloton. So I have a follow-up. So say you've got all of this content mapped out, which is incredible. And then something huge happens like we've had lately mm -hmm. all these different you know political and um you know social upheaval going on and say it does somewhat kind of relate to your business is it do you feel it would be out of a business's best interest to kind of what well, we we kind of talked about this on a different podcast but do you think it would be out of a person's best interest to kind of maybe pause on their, you know, autopilot and kind of address it if it's something that relates to their business? Or do you think that they should just pretty much keep going on with the, with what they're, with what they're doing? You know, no, I don't think you can live outside of the context of the world that we're in. And if, mm -hmm. if something happens, if, whether or not it's related to your business, let's say it's some kind of significant national tragedy and people just aren't going to be engaging with, you know, this kind right. of stuff, it makes perfect sense to just put to hit the pause button, um, mm -hmm. go back to your mapping spreadsheet and insert a, insert a row that says break and then pick up exactly where you left off from before and just push the schedule back a week. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you want something happens that completely impacts one of the things you're talking about. So mm -hmm. um, let's just say, for example, even if it's not, you know, a, a social issue, but, you know, a technology issue, everything that's happening with, um, with the iOS update and how it's going to impact 
uh, data coming back from the Facebook pixel, if that materially affects how you teach people about running Facebook ads, then you you're going to want to address that. <laughs> yes, you need to address you it. Need you to can't not address pause. it. Yeah. yeah. And so, but that's one of the things is that once you have kind of codified everything in into one place, you know, this stuff better than anybody in the world, you know, precisely what needs to be changed, you know, mm-hmm. you know, which areas of the book or the course need to be addressed. Um, and for most people, what they'll do is issue an update um, within their course, maybe they don't take down a whole course module, but they'll create like a quick update video, hey, there's been this change to iOS. And this is how that changes what I've just talked about. So that's a mm-hmm. quick fix that they can do before they can go, you know, before they have time to recreate the entire, the entire system. I think that also really relates to people who do like social media management and education. mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden Instagram drops a new, you know, change their algorithm like every other day, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's not never fun, but (laughs) but those things too, like if that's your wheelhouse, then those updates just give you more to talk about. And Mm -hmm. that is that kind of that unplanned stuff, but that becomes kind of this unplanned content pillar for you that, okay, when Instagram has an algorithm update, I need to let people know about it because first of all, it tells them that I am up on this and that I'm keeping up with it all. And second of all, it provides them like a real tangible service that I am telling them what this means and translating it to them um, in a, in a real way. And that's something you can do quickly off the cuff and without a great deal of preparation um, via, via live or whatever your favorite method of providing info is. And then you can reuse that content to pull into anything else that you want. So I consider that kind of unplanned content, but it's unplanned content that you could plan for if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, when there's always good to be prepared. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that helps, but I am a big, I am a big, you can't live outside the context. The plan does not roll forward no matter what. Um, If the world Mm -hmm. falls apart and you need to hit the pause button, hit the pause button. You don't want to be a jerk face who's out there, you know, doing heavy promotion in a time of, you know, deep sorrow or global tragedy. And that's what it was like at the beginning of COVID. Do you guys remember um, when everybody was like, I, I don't want to go out and sell right now. I don't want to go out and promote myself right now. Yeah. It feels tone deaf. It feels tacky. Um, and there was, you know, a period where there was a lot of discomfort with that. Um, but thankfully, well, not thankfully, that was. I see. I still, you know, I, so I am also a blogger slash Instagram influencer. And I still see a lot of, you know, people that I associate with at different, that I've associated with at different events. And they're still plugging like international travel and you know going into restaurants and i am still at that point where i'm just like mm, well i just don't know how it's possible that. i'm like huh, there's there's someone just contacted me um yeah about this like idea of you know getting paid to you know for photography but like through tra- like getting paid to travel and do photos and i'm like but but how right now? Like it would I, be like that's my dream job, but yeah, I'm just like, I want to like, stay healthy and maybe you've got a secret on how to like travel safely right? while in a global Ag- pandemic. Actually, if you ever if you guys get the chance, um, and if you like Barry Manilow, I know I have a, a friend from co- a girl I knew from college, and um, she did this the COVID cabana. 
Have you heard of this? No. no. She, she redid the song. She's a really talented uh, singer and like actress. And so she, with the help of her husband, who's a director and another actor friend of theirs, did the COVID cabana. So they changed the let the they live in New York. Um, they changed the words to Copacabana and basically were saying, you know, oh, yeah, you can go into these restaurants and, you know, here you go. You're in these plexiglass things. You're still inside. Like, it's really it's really clever. So if you get a chance, look at COVID, COVID, COVID Cabana. Good. It's really funny. Talk about um, content right there. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally taking. So totally I have break a good that point. Up. I mean, you can see those those industries that have been really hard hit, and they should have made some kind of um, some kind of pivot, but they didn't. I mean, I'm starting to see commercials again for like cruise lines and stuff, and about how don't you really just want to get away from all this? It's like, uh-huh, yeah, yes, man, I but do. I'm not going on a cruise ship. Thing. Nope, you imagine what yet. happens if somebody gets on that cruise and they have it or something like that, and then the whole cruise ship I, yeah. super spreader it. event. really I think about I have a friend who's a caterer and you guys know I mean you work with wedding planners and in photography when people are focused on events events went away so catering got just like obviously decimated what she did is she didn't just pivot her content but they had just purchased before the pandemic hit a new a new uh, commercial kitchen. And so now they had all of this, and and, right. It could have been a disaster, but she started, they started making essentially family meals, like cater catering style, but packaging them in family meal packages and being like, okay, here's what we're serving up tonight. Quick, stop by and get it. We'll run it out to your car. And that's how they ended up getting through it before she was able to get her brides back in the door to start planning for, you know, 2021 events. Um, And it wasn't just about the product shift. It was about so much of her content had to change because her content right. was the wedding story and mm-hmm. how they work with brides and, you know, the challenges around planning a wedding. And so it really became the challenges around feeding a family when everybody is at home and yeah. you're trying to Zoom school with your kids while you're trying to take meetings. And, you know, um, you're really sick of being around each other all the time. And the last freaking thing you want to do is cook because you're just emotionally drained. Yeah. Um, and so she just had such a personality that she was able to do that. But I thought she did it with great sensitivity. Um and honestly, with great integrity, knowing too that her business was in such peril as so many catering businesses were. Um, but I was just really impressed with the way that she that she handled it. It was smart and it was um, it was of genuine service to people as well. Well, you know, yeah. we talked we did talk about this on another episode, but we were talking about how when the pandemic first hit, you know, Jesse's business kind of just stopped. And with mine, because I wasn't going anywhere, I had nothing to, I felt like I had nothing to post. And then as it kept going on and on, I think we both, I mean, Jessie did this thing where she did like a week worth of giveaways. You know, I started realizing, well, okay, I can't go out and, you know, take awesome pictures outside, but I can do some stuff at home. And you find content in the most unlikely of places and you look at other, you know, I'm pulling photos from years ago, most of them, which Jessie took. Um, you know, to do stuff that I'm just like, oh, yeah, okay, I can totally write a piece on this. And I think it's just, I think it's having confidence in your creativity. Mm-hmm. And also knowing that people, I mean, people are going to read something, anything if they can relate to it. 
Well, I think I think Mary Kate, I think you you nailed it on the head early on where you said you don't have to go out and create something new every single day. And I think yeah. that's where people get stuck. A lot of even this the even my clients that I work with are like, I have no idea what to, you know, I need to show up on social media. So that's why they hire me to get some images for their website and, you know, social media, but then they get stuck on like what to post about. And right. so I think I think shifting your mindset to be like, exactly that you don't have to come up with this grand new idea where does your expertise lie and they don't mm-hmm. have to maybe start like you know with like something super big like you know just start you know simple with where it is that your zone of genius is and what have you talked yeah. about before what go back to past blog posts maybe you blogged like totally. maybe you even yeah. haven't blogged in a year but that content is still relevant if it's still yeah. relevant just go take snippets that's what I so Kate writes my blog posts for me I have the ideas and a lot of it I try and repurpose as much as possible. I might have an Instagram post that then will inspire a blog post and then I'll have Kate write it. And then I'll take that and I'll put it in a newsletter. <laughs> and I just like squeeze yeah. every little bit or out of it. Or she breaks it down right. into infographics. And, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you could even, if you haven't been on like the bandwagon of content creating, go back to see what you have done in the past, right? And just see what you can repurpose. Yeah, it's it's you're you're doing you're doing the thing. That's you can think <laughs> of a really good symbiotic content relationship too, because <laughs> we have we have the blog writer, we have the photographer, and you just make stuff happen together. So that's really good too. Who can you team up with? Who what are other entrepreneurs that you know that have complementary skills to yours? Are there mm-hmm. um are there content things that you love to do? I love to write. I started as a professional writer, I type like 120 words a minute, and oh, like I I write really fast. So I do a lot of writing for like, I have other people that I work with and I'm like, well, I don't want to write this thing. I hate writing. I'm like, dude, I'll write the thing. You make the, make me some graphics because I, I hate slash (laughs) stuff like that. So like, it's just an easy, it's, it's like a little pod of, you know what you're good at. Mm. Yes. And I know what I'm awful at. So, and I totally own it and everyone should see that's what I need to work on. And that's need to go back to therapy for that. (laughs) (laughs) This, this conversation took a whole, like went all the way around and back and down, but it is, it has really been eye opening. And, um, it's funny because I, I, you know, we brought you on because we knew that the content goldmine was going to be really helpful, but I didn't, until we started really getting into it, I didn't realize how relevant it was to what's going on right now, which is that, you know, we don't have the opportunity to necessarily go out and create. And, you know, when this episode is airing, I highly doubt we're still, we're going to be at that point yet anyways. Um, I don't think we're going to be at that point for a while. Um, So I think it's a good lesson in that we need to take what we've got and, and work with that and see new opportunities for our content that we may have already created, or maybe something's been on the back burner and we got to bring it forward. So yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Mary Kate, thank you so much for, you know, coming on and sharing with all about the content goldmine. Now, where would people find out more about you if they want to work with you, if they want to read more about what you do? What where are you at? The best places to find me are on my website, which is marykategulick.com or join me in the Facebook group. I'm in the Facebook group is called Real Deal Experts Creating Content and there are 1400 big old nerds in that group who know their area of expertise, like nobody's business. And the whole point of them being there is 
to figure out how to get all that goodness out of their noggin and into some compelling content. So we do a lot of learning together in that group. Um, but it's a super fun crew. That is awesome. amazing. Amazing. Well, we'll have all those links in our show notes too. So if anybody missed any of that, feel free to visit cocktailsandcontentcreation.com and we will have those up there. Outstanding. So. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. It was thank great you so much. I really enjoyed it. Yes. Thank you, Mary Kate. Have a great day. You too. Kate, I don't know about you, but that was such an amazing episode. So many nuggets. Well, it's a, you know, there. I love the, oh, the I elbow to the bump. elbow to the butt, the gut, or whatever. <laughs> a little tired. So, guys. so many good nuggets there. And what what was interesting is like hearing how she developed the overall concept for the gold yes. mine. I know so many entrepreneurs are like trying to think of the next thing they want to offer their audience. So mm-hmm. listening just to her journey about that was was really interesting. You know, it came out of a necessity. You know, she was seeing so many people given, you know, poor advice about being on yeah. every single platform and doing all the things and like, you know, haphazardly creating content, as I want to call right. it. I think she mentioned like, you know, just posting here and posting there was not like really like a strategy in mind mm-hmm. to your overall expertise. So, um, so I, I thought that that was very valuable in hearing how mm-hmm. she got um, the the concept of the gold mine and, you know, highlighting some of the pitfalls that we get yeah. sucked into when it comes to content creating. Well, you know, and, and for a lot of our listeners, you know, this is called the, you know, cocktails and content creation. So hopefully if you're listening to this, you actually do either love, enjoy creating content, love, enjoy <laughs> You either love creating content or you know how important it is Mm -hmm. for your brand, right? So sometimes when you want to get something just, and we talked about perfectionism in in it, you know, my, my not, my, my want to not turn things in on time because it's not quite perfect. If you're working on something, sometimes I feel like you feel your business kind of can come to a halt or your, or your marketing strategy can come to a halt because you're working on this other project. Well, then you can take other pieces of things you've already posted or repackage it in a way so that, you know, you're still continuously updating your website, continuously updating your social media while you may be working on something new, but you don't always have to be working on something new. Cause let's face it. If you, if you are always trying to put out new information and you're not reusing things or repurposing things, you're going to burn out. Burnout is real. Exactly. So I think that was one of her big points is we're, we don't want to necessarily focus on creating something new, but yeah. taking what you already do. And she she talks about starting with an inventory of what you've done and what you've created and, and mm-hmm. building building from there. The other thing that I thought was really important for me to take away was that when you're creating your content to try and avoid the mindset that you're giving away too much that very rarely are you going to give away too much in fact if the I almost got the sense like you give away more and you're just going to be seen more as that expert she gave a great example of like you know if you're a writer and you have 12 chapters in a book and you write 12 blog posts that sort of highlight what that chapter is that's not going to deter someone from from purchasing your book there's no way that you're going to be able to share exactly what's in the book in those Mm -hmm. blog posts so people who are wanting to learn more and take a deeper dive they're going to buy your book and the same goes along with all of your other content so when it comes to withholding information um you know there's a there's really in her opinion not like a super strong line to be drawn that the 
the more you can give away almost the better because yeah. people will start to trust you. What they're purchasing is you and that piece of the content. You know what it kind of reminds me of is a movie, like a book turned into a movie, right? Now, yeah, like if you make if you make a movie off of a book, are you going to keep things, major plot points out of the movie because you want people to read the book and it's then the then the movie's not going to make sense necessarily, right? But right. there are still people, you know, yes, there are those people that are going to watch the movie and be like, oh yeah, I'm all set. But then there are those people that I want to, you know, I love this. I want to learn more. I think it just, that's the same thing that boils down for anyone who has any kind of course or or book or um, seminar that they have going on, people are going to, if, if somebody believes in what you're saying and if they, they need the information to actually believe in it, they're going to want to buy into it. Exactly. Exactly. And I didn't I, think of that relationship. And I'm thinking of like the Harry Potter books. No, I, I know totally agree. Do you, no. did you watch all those or? No, I, I, read, I read yeah. the first book and that was it. I re- Okay. Okay. Well, for somebody who's a fan, like I read all the, but books, I get what you're I, saying. I watched all the movies. Like I know there are things they didn't include in the book, you know, and and the, in the movies that they're in the exactly. book. So, but I still read all of the books. You know, I also liked, you know, because cause now you take all of those pieces of information. She kind of broke down for us how how she she you know the the nuggets as you said in the beginning and the the gold bars as the star content. How she told us how to take those pieces and kind of break them down and keep them organized. And essentially, and I feel like we've been hearing this so many times, essentially it's really, or it all comes down to organization mm-hmm. and being yeah. creative and how you look at things. And it's funny because right. then our conversation took the turn of the pandemic and, but it is, it's, it relates to, yeah. to what's going on. Yeah. I think people get very overwhelmed with planning their content, but when you have like an overall structure and realize that again, it can be flexible. You have your Mm -hmm. pre-planned content, you have your spontaneous content, um, you know, being able to be flexible, but, um, but I think what happens people from preventing, preventing them from even keeping creating that planned content is the idea that they have to come up with something new. So I know for me, what I'm going to be doing is setting aside some time to do a content inventory, um, looking at yeah. you know what I've done before and where I love that phrase from. too. So I'm gonna instead of like trying to come up with new pieces, I'm just gonna look back and see where can I pull from. So that's what I'm yeah. gonna be doing. And and I yeah, I'm definitely gonna be doing the same thing. Like I even making my content calendar for the year. You know, I have right now. I'm working on 60 blog posts for the year. And I was able to like go back on my website and see, okay, this really performed well. I'm going to kind of mimic that when it comes to this time of the year or, you know, this performed well at this time of the year, but I can change it somehow and also bring it into the spring when it was, you know, originally a December post. So totally mind blowing. And I'm always looking for easy ways um, to create the content. Also, the other thing is, you know, how you're selling you, not something I expect expected to discuss as part of the content goldmine. Yeah, I mean that was a little bit of a tangent going on to the idea behind passive products and how do yeah. you how do you uh, you know tease a lot of your um, information in those passive products without being present because she made yep. that point about you know the differentiation between giving away too much. It's mm-hmm. like you could give away at all, but what they're really buying is you, and they can't get you unless you give them access, right? So yeah. withholding access—that's where you withhold access. It's access to you, and yeah. so um, that that's 
really what they're buying. So any type of product and how do you, how does that work with the passive product? And she really laid that out for us. So, um, so I, I would encourage you guys to rewind, play back that part of it because that was really important to me. Well, I think what we've discovered is that Mary Kate Gulick is a content goldmine in and of herself. Uh, So we really appreciate her coming on the podcast. And thank you so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. If you want to check out the show notes, head to cocktailsandcontentcreation.com and make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Creation Community, and leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you would like us to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation. And we'd love it, as we said earlier, if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. You can also email us at cocktailsandcontentcreation at gmail.com. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram at fashionablykateandco. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos. Or if you're a photographer looking to pivot into brand photography, I am at the brand photographer method. Next time, we are going to have our friend Chelsea Mars back on the podcast. You remember, you may remember Chelsea from episode three when she gave us the lowdown on hashtags. And she would know because her Instagram account, Chowdown USA, has over 27,000 followers. And she even runs her own social media marketing business, Royal Horizon Media. So this next time, we are going to be sharing her tips for the perfect Instagram bio. So friends, listen in and until then, cheers to your next cocktail and happy content creating.